This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, today is a lot, of course, of talking about what happened yesterday with the election and the results. We find ourselves in this quite interesting situation, right, where no party got a majority. We have to see who's going to team up with who, if that's what they're going to do, to try to form the next government. But we thought it a good idea to perhaps put all of this into perspective about our system, how things work. Has this ever happened before? And so to get some history and perspective on this, we're joined now by Professor Professor Richard Johnson, who's a UBC political scientist. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi there. Have we ever seen anything like this before? Yes, it's actually not an uncommon occurrence at all. Uh, Among the so-called Westminster systems, we have the highest frequency of minority governments. We've had them sort of every third election or so since the late 1950s. Uh, So it's not uncommon, and we kind of know how it works. Okay, good. So now you can tell us then, Professor, moving forward the next couple of days, what can we expect to see happen? Not a lot. There's no question who is the Prime Minister of Canada. Uh, He doesn't have to ask anybody's permission to do anything, at least at this point. And so essentially, at some point, Parliament will be recalled, there will be a speech from the throne and a confidence vote, and we'll see what happens. But considering there's a pretty natural affinity on most questions of policy between the NDP and the Liberals, that will probably be the standard kind of way in which, uh, on the floor of the House, um, coalitions. I don't really want to use that word, but a coalition on the floor of the House will proceed. But the, the Prime Minister doesn't have to ask anybody to join him. He doesn't have to get any sort of special agreement with any other party, so long as he has a reasonable prospect, vote to vote, of being supported by a majority of the people on the floor. And his best friend is the fact that elections cost money and nobody except maybe the Conservatives has any right now. Right, but if you would it not behoove him, though, behind the scenes to get a sense of how, say, the NDP feel about certain things and how the bloc feels about certain things, like what it is that they would vote against? Yes, and, you know, Jasmeet Singh has made it clear he, he doesn't want TMX to proceed, but he, he has no power over it, and there's really nothing legislative that the government has to do to make that happen. So, but I think it would be a matter of, of a sensible investment of time for Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Singh to talk about the boundaries of their cooperation. But the fact is, their platforms, are, or at least the platforms of the last few years, have been very similar. And what we might see is essentially more of the same from the Liberals, possibly even a little bit more in terms of taxing and spending. The Bloc um, is the largest single third party in the situation, uh, but uh, Mr. Blanchet has made it clear that he's not really in the business of any kind of formal support or opposition. He will be there to defend the interests of Quebec as he defines them. Uh, but in many ways, there aren't many natural affinities between Trudeau and Blanchet. 
Right. But what we have here in BC is they call this like a confidence and supply agreement. That yes. They know what they're going to agree on. They know what they're not going to agree on. Is that something that might work at the federal level? Don't need it. The, the peculiarity of the BC situation, and, uh, and I'm aware of only one other situation in recent Canadian history, and that was in Ontario in 1985. Remember that John Horgan has fewer seats than, than the Liberals. Hello? Yes. Oh, so sorry. sorry. I think I got no, a call listening. on the other line. No. I'll just carry on. Okay. Anyway, John Horgan had fewer seats than the Liberals. Christy Clark was still the Premier of the province after the election, and she chose to meet Parliament, and as we know, she lost the confidence vote. The, the confidence and supply agreement was intended to signal to the Lieutenant Governor that there was a viable alternative government to Christy Clark's government. That's what that was about. In this situation... There already is a government. Right. Uh, Mr. Trudeau got more seats than any other single party. He's actually remarkably close to a majority, even though his vote share was pathetic. And so in terms of the parliamentary situation, it's a much easier story. He doesn't need that agreement, and he, would, he, he doesn't want to concede it. He knows that the NDP are going to have to be on his side for most important questions. Right, but he has to know that ahead of time, right? Like there's certain, well, certain bills that he can't afford to lose a vote. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think that a, a conversation with Jasmeet Singh would be prudent. But given the similarity between the parties, it really won't be hard for Mr. Trudeau to produce a throne speech broadly uh, supportable by the NDP. And meanwhile, he doesn't. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Have to make compromises with, with Sing on for example, the pipeline. He, he knows that, that the NDP will have to support him. They can't afford an election. So it sounds like he, like Justin Trudeau and the Liberals, are still very much in the driver's seat here. They absolutely are. In general, the government has a lot of high cards, and that's especially the case when there are supporters. When we think about the, the most productive governments and parliaments in Canadian history, we often think of the Pearson minority governments from 1963 to, to 1968. Much of the Canadian welfare state was put in place in those five years. The Liberals never had a majority in any of that period, but they actually worked very cooperatively with the NDP on legislation. I would say that we're in a broadly similar situation now. So would you say these results, though, even though they lost seats, for the NDP, it's still a win because they're going to have a lot of influence. They'll have more influence in this parliament than in the last one. So in that sense, it's a win. In another sense, of course, it's a major setback. You know, they, they, they've lost virtually the entirety of their presence in Quebec. Uh, they, the, 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 the comeback that Jasmeet Singh managed to engineer during the campaign, he ran a pretty terrific campaign, uh, didn't net him as many seats as he'd hoped, uh, including in B.C. They you know, modestly strengthened their hand. But um, the NDP has to ask itself some pretty tough 
existential questions over the next four years. And that's another reason why they're not going to want to go to the polls very soon. Right. So then what can the conservatives offer here and, and what is their role? It sounds like nothing changes for them. That's essentially correct. I mean, they're, they are stronger on the floor of the House. They have 20 more seats, basically. But essentially what they did was make gains in the place that is already their base. Right. You know, the interior of B.C., the resource-producing parts of the province, and then um, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and much of Manitoba. So in some sense, they deepened their support where, they, where the support was already strong. What they didn't do was extend the reach of their coalition. I mean, it's stunning to me that the Liberals lost only one seat in Ontario and the Conservatives gained only three. So that was a standoff, and that's a, that's a real problem for the Conservatives, it, it, compounded by the fact that um, they, they lost some of their key moderates. So um, um, the voices inside the Conservative caucus are going to be more sharply conservative than before. Mr. Shear's own leadership may come into question. And, and that being the case, even though what the party needs to do is reach out, he may find it necessary to defend his own position right. to actually sharpen his appeal to his base. Not a good strategy for the long run. So I think it's going to be a nasty parliament. Uh, but in terms of legislative production, um, uh, one in which the, the government and the NDP can cooperate on a lot of things. But if you don't like either of those parties, it's a disastrous result. <laughs> Was this not a lesson? Like you were talking about the lesson that Andrew Scheer there has to learn. He has, he has to ask why he couldn't broaden his support as opposed to increasing it where he already had support. Was that not a lesson that Stephen Harper also learned and learned well? Harper was very disciplined. Yes. I mean, there's no question that he's a seriously conservative person uh, and that, in fact, his government moved the public policy regime in Canada in a very conservative direction. And, and, he, and that happened even though for five of the years he didn't have a majority. But he was intensely strategic and intensely disciplined. And uh, he kept a lid on what used to be called bozo eruptions. <laughs> Yes, and and I think that that Sheer, uh, to a certain extent, Sheer was in some ways a victim of his own uh, backers in the social media universe. The picture that came across of the party was in some ways darker than the party really is, and Sheer himself never really figured out how to counter liberal insinuations that he had had a hidden agenda, um, as I think Andrew Coyne pointed out. Why didn't Sheer just point out that his own view of the world on questions of abortion, for example, are pretty much identical to those of Prime Minister Trudeau, uh, both in terms of his own opinions and in terms of his relation to his party. But he, he somehow just couldn't find the handle on that question. And you think, boy, that's something that they should have figured out before the election came along. You, you would think. You would think. Uh, Professor Johnson, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. That was so interesting. That's Professor Richard Johnson, a UBC political scientist, helping us put the, uh, the, the election result last night in a historical perspective and what is likely to happen moving forward.